0: Hello and welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary of the Southern Baptist Convention. And on this podcast, we talk about leadership issues and various aspects of what it means to be a Christian leader today. Now today, I wanna talk about character transformation in leadership. I wanna talk about what God is working into your life as a leader in the context of the leadership laboratory where he's placed you. Now let's begin by understanding that God has an overarching purpose for all believers, including leaders. There's a key passage of Scripture which helps us understand that purpose. It's Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. The Bible says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son." so that we would be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, there is so much in this passage that is used in so many different contexts. But one day, it dawned on me that I normally use this passage only in times of difficulty or struggle or perhaps grief. And that's where I focus the all things, of course, work together for good. But it occurred to me that all things means all things, not just difficulties or strife or grief producing situations but all things means all the circumstances of my life including things like the spouse I'm married to the children I've been blessed with and the leadership role that I've been assigned all things work together for the good of those who love God and then what is that good well the good is described in the passage and that is the good is that we might be conformed to the image of his son so, God has an overarching purpose for all believers, including leaders. His purpose is to transform us to the image of his son, and he's using all aspects of our lives, all circumstances to bring about this transformational work. Now, the passage says several things about God's purpose in, in this transformation. First, uh, it says that God's purpose or that God is intentional about his purpose. This language foreknew and predestined. I know it's controversial today, and in many circles, these debates go on for hours. But in this context, it's really focusing those two words, foreknew and predestined, on the outcome of our salvation, which is the confirmation—or excuse me—the transformation of each of us into the image of Jesus Christ. Without being a flippant, I've sometimes described God in this context as the hound of heaven. He's on our trail. He's unrelenting. He will not let up until He has found us and formed us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, God's purpose is to remake us into the image of Jesus. He wants us to have a family resemblance. A few years ago, My son was given the opportunity to work in a kind of an internship responsibility uh, in the office of the chief executive officer of a company. And he wanted me to meet this man, and so when I went there to visit him and see his workplace, uh, his boss came out of his office and saw me standing there. My son said, "Uh, this is my, and the boss cut him off and said, your father, no kidding, and reached out and shook my hand. Well, why did he say that? It's because my son and I have a strong family resemblance. We look a lot alike. And so that's what God is trying to accomplish with each one of us. He's trying to help us look like Jesus Christ so that when people see us, they'd say, oh, you know, you remind me of Jesus. You look a lot like him. You act a lot like him. You think a lot like him. So God's purpose is... God is intentional about his purpose and his purpose is to remake us into the image of Jesus and he's very intentional about that purpose as I've already said but he's but that intentionality gives meaning to our circumstances that's again this emphasis on all things including our leadership laboratory as I like to call it and then God's purposes are always good it's hard sometimes When you're in the throes of some kind of leadership difficulty or you're struggling with people or with processes, you don't have enough resources, um, you're, you're, you're discouraged and don't quite know how to go forward, it's really hard to see that all of that is really for your good. But God promises that it is. Now, just like when you stand and say these words at a memorial service, you never say that the death was good. You always say that God brings good out of circumstances, even the circumstances of death. I would say the same thing about your leadership circumstances right now. If they're difficult, I would not necessarily say they're good. But I would promise you on the authority of the word of God that God himself is at work to bring good out of your circumstances, whatever they may be. And that ultimate good he's trying to bring about is the good of remaking you into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, God has placed you in what I call a leadership laboratory. And that raises the question, why does God have me here? Why does God have me in this particular church or in this particular youth group? Why does God have me in this particular seminary or at this particular college? Why does God have me in this particular church plant situation? Why does God have me in this denominational role? Why does God have me here? Well, the doing answer is the answer that most of us give. What do I mean by the doing answer? Well, we give an answer that God has sent us to our current leadership responsibility to do something. We say, God has sent me here to plant the church. God has sent me here to make disciples. God has sent me here to reach teenagers with the gospel. God has sent me here to teach theology, or God has sent me here to coordinate a department of a a denominational uh, entity. Those are the doing answers. Now, listen carefully. The doing answer is not... The wrong answer. It's not the wrong answer. It's just not the best answer. What's the best answer? The best answer is what I call the being answer. And that is, God has placed you, no matter where you are, to shape you into the image of Jesus Christ. God has placed you where you are to shape you, to change you, to transform you. This is the best answer. So, the Being answer is the best answer, and the doing answer is a good answer. But you have to keep those in priority order. Now, why is it that I believe that God prioritizes being over doing? He transforms, he he, uh, prioritizes transformation over accomplishment. Well, for a couple of reasons, Uh, just generally speaking, without going verse by verse through lots of stories in the Bible or looking at lots of different perspectives, just a couple of conclusions. First, God does not need you to do anything. God spoke, and by a word, the universe came into being. Now, if God has that kind of power, what does he need you to do? Nothing. God can accomplish anything that he desires in a nanosecond of time with just a word. So therefore, there must be some larger agenda at work for God to be using you to do his work in our world. What is that larger agenda? The larger agenda is that God is at work through you to transform you in the image of Jesus Christ and is using the, and is using the doing projects he assigns you As a laboratory in which he can transform you. Now, the second big reason that I answer this, that I rank these in this order, is that God's primary purpose is always people, not projects. Even when you go through the Gospels, you can see Jesus setting up uh, learning opportunities and going to great pains sometimes to set up those opportunities just so he can teach his followers something personal about themselves that superseded the project that they were accomplishing. I think of just one example, this incident where the fishermen worked all night and caught no fish in Luke chapter 5. Then Jesus arrives on the lake shore and says, fish over there at a new depth and I think you'll catch fish. Now why would Jesus allow those men to fish all night and then give them instructions to keep fishing when all he had to do was speak and 10,000 fish would have leaped out of the lake and landed in their boats? In fact, Jesus could have spoken and they would have landed there already filleted and ready for frying. I mean, why would Jesus go to all this trouble to set up this scenario? It was because it wasn't about the project catching fish. It was about what he was trying to reveal to the people involved about themselves, about their lives, and about how Jesus intended to use them in the future. And so when Peter said, Lord, I see what you've accomplished, get away from me, I'm sinful. And Jesus said, I know, but come on with me, you're going to be catching people for the rest of your lives, or the rest of your life. When, when, when Jesus taught Peter those things, the entire project, if you will, was set up so the person would be impacted and would, and would grow. And so uh, the best answer to the question, why does God have me here, is the being answer. And a good answer is still the doing answer. Now, don't misunderstand. I believe leaders should be driven, focused, determined people who are trying to accomplish as much as possible every day that's possible. Uh, No one who knows me well would say that I am not all of those things. In fact, to my detriment, I am some of those things. So I'm not saying that the doing is not important. The doing is extremely important. But the doing only has real meaning in the context of the being. It only has real meaning in the context of what God is really trying to accomplish, which is shaping you into the person, into a person who more resembles Jesus Christ. Now, that leads to another question. How is uh, your current leadership role God's laboratory for transformation? In other words, what are some practical ways this works out? Well, let, let me give you three or four that I've observed over the years. First of all, in your current leadership laboratory, you are being changed. And your character growth uh, can be painful. When I first started out in pastoral ministry, it was a fair criticism that my interpersonal skills were very weak. I was strong in preaching and teaching. I was uh, good at visionary uh, leadership and imagining where the church could go. But when it came to interfacing with people personally, Uh, dealing with them individually, working with them in small groups, uh, knowing how to demonstrate empathy or compassion, I was really inadequate. And it didn't take very long in my first church for people to start pointing this out to me. And some of them did it gently and kindly, and frankly, some of them did it in very uh, confrontive, difficult, and sometimes even painful ways. This all came to a head after my mother came to visit me. My mother, at the time of this visit, was not a professing Christian and was not in attending church in any way. In fact, in my lifetime, my mother had never attended anyone's church. So she came to visit me and came to uh, Sunday worship service, came home from that, and we were sharing the meal together at lunch. And in the conversation, my mother says to me, Jeff, you're a, you're a really good preacher. And I said, well, Mom, that, that means a lot. And then she said in her West Texas way, but Jeff, she said, if you don't learn to work with people, you're never going to make a pastor. And that cut me to my core. And my first thought was, how dare you? You're not even a professing Christian. You don't even go to church. And yet you come to my table and you say to me that I don't know how to be a pastor. And you attack me for a failure to have interpersonal skill and not know how to do the kind of pastoral work that's needed to really effectively lead a church? How can you say that to me? That's what went through my mind. But then the second thought came. And I think the second thought was actually God whispering to me. The second thought was, Jeff, this is your mother. She loves you. She's sacrificed so much for you. She doesn't have anything in this comment except you're good at at heart. You need to pay attention. And that was the first day that I faced up to the reality that my interpersonal skills were sorely lacking. Now that put me on a journey. Uh, It involved some counseling. It involved spiritual reflection. It involved consulting with mentors. It involved trial and error with church members and some progress and also some apologies. But over the next few years, I developed uh, a much stronger sense of interpersonal skill and a much better way of relating to people, both individually and in small groups. Now, let's be honest. Today, no one would say that this is still not a growing edge for me or uh, not a continued uh, challenge for me. Um, I'm not... Spontaneously or naturally uh, good at these things. But God has transformed me. He's remade me in these areas and He's helped me to grow. And the only way that happened was because He placed me in a leadership laboratory, my first church, which was highly relational, valued family, uh, wanted to have close connections with their pastor. And in that context, God broke through in my life and transformed me in remarkable ways. It was painful, but necessary, a part of me becoming the leader that I've become today. So God's leadership laboratory can change you, and those changes can be, change your character, and those changes can be painful. Another way that God's laboratory of transformation works is it stretches you, and that can also be painful. One of the things that's always marked my ministry is having to trust God for money, Partly it's because of my driven desire to always be expanding the church, the organization I'm leading, but I've always found myself having to pray for, ask for, and trust God for more resources than were currently available in the ministry. That's always meant that I've been stretching, always pressing, always trying to find a way to do more with less or to find ways to get more so I could do more in God's kingdom. Another way I was stretched, of course, most recently, was going through the land development process of Gateway Seminary. Uh, You may know the story. We sold our primary campus in Mill Valley, California, and built two new campuses in Ontario and Fremont, California. That multi-year ordeal was a stretching process for me. It, It took a lot out of me. But one of the things it revealed about me, which was embarrassing and frustrating, was it revealed how poorly I handle stress and how difficult it is for me to give up worry and anxiety. Now I've grown a lot in this over the past four years, but I talked about this recently in a message here at the seminary and in fact made some jokes about it including that I have uh, coined a new life verse which says be anxious for everything. Uh, Of course that's not in the Bible, but it's in my life Bible of what I lived for those last four years. Uh, Our IT department picked up on that and actually created a screensaver for me with a man sitting in a chair with his head in his hands, and the caption is, be anxious for everything. But they actually added a verse reference under that. They called it hesitations for six. And so I've struggled with stress and with managing stress and with anxiety and worry about the work that I've been assigned, especially something as significant as relocating the seminary. And through that process, I was humbled again and realized how much I need to grow in that area and how much I need to depend on God to give me the peace that I need to make it through these leadership challenges. It was a stretching experience, not just for the seminary, but for the seminary's leader as I learned new things about myself and grew in new dimensions of what it means to trust God. Another way that God changes us in our leadership laboratory is he shapes us by forcing us to stay in difficult circumstances. In other words, you can't leave just because it's hard. You have to leave only when it's truly over or you're truly complete, you've are truly you truly completed everything God asks you to do. You know, when I was the executive director of the Northwest Baptist Convention, I'd been there about 10 years, and it had been 10 good years. We had had some difficulties and struggles. Sure, every ministry has those, but overall it had been 10 good years, and 10 rewarding years. And honestly, I'd reached the point after those 10 years where I felt really comfortable in the place that I was serving. Um, I likened it to swimming laps in a warm pool. I was stroking those laps every day. I was trying to move forward and get us ahead. But honestly, it was a pretty comfortable place of ministry. And then God called me to Gateway Seminary. And it was like being picked up out of a warm pool and dropped in the icy cold of the San Francisco Bay. I felt like I was swimming for my life every day. I had the steep learning curve of trying to learn what it meant to be a seminary president. I had the fresh challenges of dealing with all the, ch- uh, the opportunities and difficulties that we were facing as a seminary. And then just as I started feeling something com- somewhat comfortable about the initial challenges, all the land development process emerged and I had to face up to what it was going to, be, what it was going to mean to take us through all of that difficulty. I was no longer swimming laps in a warm pool. I was swimming for my life and I've honestly felt that way for most of the time I've been at the seminary. I wake up every day not saying I know what to do. I'm the president. I've got this figured out. I wake up every day and find myself praying God help me today. Show me what to do. Give me guidance and wisdom. Help me figure out the problems and how to solve them. I, I'm here in and in, in facing these things Because I know God is at work in me to shape me, and I can't just bail out when it gets difficult or go away when it's hard. I have to stay here and stay focused on my task and grow through even the challenges that I face on a daily basis. So, God uses His leadership laboratory to change our character, to stretch us as people, to shape us, and to make us different in the context of the difficulties we face. But then finally, Uh, And this is something only God can do. He's so amazing. God also uses our leadership laboratory not only to accomplish in us in the moment what he wants to accomplish and even to accomplish through us in the moment what he wants to accomplish, but God is also using our leadership laboratory now to get us ready for what he wants to do through us in the future. One of the things that amazes me about God is his capacity to shape us and use us now while at the same time shaping us and training us for how he wants to use us in the future. When I went to my first church, it had a tremendous amount of diversity of problems in the membership. I had every kind of human struggle and human difficulty imaginable in that small church. Uh, Over the years that I was there, um, just about everything you can think of, people were... Uh, who, were sh- who had shot and killed people, people who had been victims of incest, rape, people who'd had abortions, marriages, divorces, wife swapping, um, every kind of difficulty, every kind of human dynamic. It was amazing what I experienced there. I also learned how to work with people of different uh, social st- strata there. I had very wealthy people. I had very poor people. It, it was just a remarkable opportunity of ministry. The, the really only part of the church that that wasn't incredibly diverse was the was the racial makeup. It was an Anglo church, but everything else about it was just full of all kinds of diversity. So then some years later... Um, I became the executive director of the Northwest Baptist Convention, and I started helping pastors solving church problems and dealing with people and all of the kinds of things that go on in all the kinds of churches we had in the Northwest. One day after I'd been doing this for a year or two, a, a fellow said to me, I don't know how you know all these things about all these different situations. I, I don't really know how a person as young as you could have, could have such wisdom and really experience with so many different situations. And I smiled and said, well, you should have been with me in my first church. And as I reflected back on that, I see the wonderful mystery of the work of God in my life. He sent me somewhere to work in me and through me to pastor a church, but at the same time, He was teaching me a whole menu of skills and giving me a whole range of experiences that would only serve me well years later when I became the executive director of the Northwest Baptist Convention. And the same thing happened while I was in the Northwest getting me ready for Gateway Seminary. While I was in the Northwest, I started making friends in the Korean community, African American community, Hispanic community, and various other communities of the 16 different languages that were spoken in our convention on a Sunday morning in worship. I learned how to eat different foods and listen to different languages and speak with interpreters and cross-cultural council pastors about how to take church leadership principles and make them work in their context. I worked all of that and learned all of that while I was in the Northwest Baptist Convention. And then came to Gateway Seminary, the most multicultural seminary in the United States and maybe the world. Where only 40% of our students are Anglo, and the people come here to study from the nations and people groups of the world. How have I learned to interface with this community? Well, I learned it while I was in my last leadership role. God had me in that laboratory using me and changing me in that context, but at the same time training me and preparing me for the future. So let's review review what we've learned so far. God's primary purpose for all believers is transformation. That includes leaders. He is intentionally, purposefully working relentlessly to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. He does that by placing us in a leadership laboratory. And he places us there primarily for the being reason, to shape us into the image of Jesus, but also for the doing reason, to get things done in his kingdom and on his behalf. Keep those, though, in priority order. How does God use our leadership laboratory to change our character, to stretch us in personal ways, to shape us by putting us into difficulty and keeping us there until we're fully formed? And then finally, while he's doing all of that, he's also preparing us in that laboratory for future usefulness. Now, you may still be struggling, even with those examples, to discern how is God using my leadership laboratory to shape me? Well, let me help you to know how to do that by a concept I've developed that I call disciplined discernment. Disciplined discernment is discovering how God is shaping your character by asking the right question and allowing time to discover the full answer. Disciplined discernment. Now here's the, here's the question that you ask. Father, why are you allowing this to happen to me? why are you allowing this to happen to me? Now, I was teaching about this one day, and a good friend of mine was sitting on the front row of the conference. When I said this, he almost leaped out of his seat like he had been electrocuted, and he said, you, you can't ask God that question. And I said, well, well, why not? And he said, you can't ask God, Father, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And I said, oh, wait, that's not the question I asked. You see, the The appropriateness of the question is all in the inflection. You don't ask, Father, why are you allowing this to happen to me? You ask, Father, why are you allowing this to happen to me? The focus is not on victimization. Why me, O Lord? The focus is on process and circumstance. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? God, why this crusty deacon? Why this difficult elder? God, why this financial shortfall? God, why this revealed character flaw in my life? God, why this wife? Why this child? Why this challenge? Why this community? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Ask ask that question, and then allow appropriate time to discern the real answer. Now, why I say appropriate time is because oftentimes what happens to us in the short run, we have one perspective, but in the longer run, with a longer view, with a different perspective, we have an entirely different conclusion. In the mid-1990s, for example, I was diagnosed with cancer. And when I was going through that, It was a very difficult experience, very difficult. In fact, the last night, uh, or the, the night after my second surgery, I was so discouraged. And I remember having such a difficult night. My wife stayed with me that night, held my hand. I couldn't speak because of the nature of the surgeries. My body wasn't functioning properly. There were all kinds of difficulties and threats and problems that I was experiencing. It was a dark and difficult night, but when it was over, I learned a profound lesson that when I'm going through anything, God is with me, and if he is with me, that's enough. I can make it. When I've told that story and then told of my reflections over the past 20 years as I've looked back on that experience, when I've told that story, it's been interesting to me how many people have come up afterwards to talk with me, and this is what they say. They say things like, When I had my heart attack, I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but now I see it was the best thing that ever happened. When my wife left me, I thought my world had ended, but now I see how God worked through that, and my life has been changed in so many ways because of what I learned from that experience. When our child rebelled, we were heartbroken, but now that we look back on it, we see how God worked through those circumstances to bring about changes in all of our lives that could have not happened any other way. When my church fired me, I thought termination was the end of my world. But now I look back on it and see that God used that circumstance to change my direction, propel me forward, and give me a life I never imagined. It is uncanny that every time I speak on this subject, I have people come up to me afterwards and say, I thought that when I was going through this circumstance, it was the worst thing that could have ever happened in my life. But now as I look back on it, I see how God used it to change me and shape me and make me into the person I am today and to give me ministry opportunity I could have never imagined. So disciplined discernment means asking the right question, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And then allowing some time to go by to fully discern all that God is really doing through the leadership laboratory and particularly the difficult aspects of it that you're experiencing. But there's one more part of disciplined discernment besides asking the right question and allowing time to go by, and that is you have to compare your experiences to the right standard of interpretation. This is why I call it disciplined discernment. Disciplined discernment mean, it means using the Bible and what it teaches about Christian character as the plumb bob or the evaluation line to determine what needs to be adjusted in your life. A plumb bob is a a string with a weight on it, and gravity causes it to always hang in a straight line. And that straight line is the Word of God and the character of uh, the Christian character that's revealed in the Bible. And so when you're practicing discipline discernment, it's not, just, uh, uh, it's not just saying, what's God doing in my life? That's a good question. But the better question is, what's God doing in my life to conform me to the standards of character described in the Scripture? That's the disciplined part of discernment. It's not just uh, some speculative discernment. It's disciplined discernment. So when you're asking the question, how is God using my leadership laboratory to transform me into the image of Jesus Christ, ask the right question. God, why are you allowing this, this particular circumstance to happen to me? And then allow some time to go by before you fully think you've arrived at the answer and use the Scripture and the Christian character standards described in Scripture as the plumb bob or the measuring line for how you believe God is shaping and changing you for the future. God is at work remaking us. He's using our leadership laboratory to get that job done, and I hope this podcast has helped give you some tools to understand how this is at work in your life today.